All right, welcome to Radical Rocks. Today's exciting episode is going to have identifying fossils and rocks at the Museum of Geology, new type of stegosaurus found, tasty rocks, and even more we'll talk about in just a second. That's right, Radical Rocks are everywhere, guys. We are going to talk about some tasty rocks that look good enough to eat. We, Is that turquoise? We're going to talk about turquoise, the Easter Blue Mineral property. We are going to talk about some other types of geodes. We're going to talk about Mars, some new evidence indicating that uh, there was a huge impact. Look at 10 hot springs, impossible discovery, a very impossible discovery. So they say geodes, opal geodes, and more. So stay tuned as we get right into that. I want to thank everybody for liking, subscribing, sharing, all that good stuff, all our social media. We can be found on MeWeed, Locals, Gitter, um, Parlor, Facebook, YouTube. We've got videos there. We've got uh, all the podcasts you can go back and check. We've got a blog, all kinds of good stuff. Just look up Radical Rocks on your favorite social media on that list that I just rambled off for you, and you will find us, get connected, and be a part of the group. We appreciate it. So let's get right into it. Um, First thing is an event that I thought was interesting and I would share with you guys. It is a spring symposium for metalworking. You go to metalwerx.com, metalworks, and they have an event that you can sign up for there March the 21st through the 25th. And um, they're going to talk about metalworking with silver and gold. Um, They do charge for this. I have not been to this class, but I thought it might be of interest to some of you, so passing that on. Um, Discoveries of ultra-rare fossils found in Wisconsin, the United States. You can find this at WPR.org. And um, they said that for more than 150 years, it's been a mystery over which uh, animals moved from sea to land. And it says, turns out those animals came from Wisconsin. Of course, you know, these these type of hypotheses change constantly. The dates change constantly. Everything changes constantly. But they found a lot of these, what they call ultra-rare fossils here. And you can check that out. The fossils are linked to the Blackberry Hill in Wisconsin. This is the first animal on land is talked about there. The T-Rex exhibit at the, uh, these are related related to this, but uh, 
really, there's not really a lot here. But anyway, you can find out more about that if you want. Next, the Garrett Gold Claim uh, or Gold Mine. This is one that I came across, thought it was pretty interesting in Nevada. A lot of uh, gold mining claims for sale in Nevada. A lot of history in Nevada. Um, this is listed on eBay, Garrett Gold Mine, mining claim, former producer in Nevada. Had some interesting history here. Um, this little claim here is on 20.66 acres. It's in Pershing County, Nevada. Very uh, big gold and silver producer throughout the years. There's all kinds of uh, audits and pits and tailings. Be careful, you don't want to uh, get fall down into some of these. There's a metal door on this particular claim here on the Garrett Mine. It says, most likely the prospecting started around 1860 to 1870s, then again in the 1930s. These workings expose veins and shear zones with felsic dikes that may be associated with the mineralization. Nearby veins assayed at one and a quarter ounce per ton of gold and 6.5 ounces of silver. This area in Nevada has some of the largest gold mines in the United States. The Relief Canyon and Florida Canyon inlay are the two nearest large-scale gold mines, and the Seven Troughs Range nearby has several active exploration and mining projects right now. The location is uh, toward Winnemucca, Go to, uh, take in Nevada, go I-80 south, uh, west for Reno for about 31 miles. And uh, they got directions there if you want to find out exactly how to go get there. They've got the longitude and latitude and all that good stuff. They were exploited, uh, quartz veins and stringers and shear zones. Both underground and open pit methods were used to mine the ore. And uh, it says here that these could be extended so there's still still some opportunity there, possibly, you know, who knows. Um, the metal sediments and the tritarial volcanics is where the contact zone is in between these. And that is a good sign that uh, there could be other uh, strike zones through there, new discoveries. Both soil and mag surveys would be effective in locating additional mineralized structures at depths. Uh, under, in or under soil cover. This near, uh, area of Nevada's extensive activity from junior mining companies and major mining companies expanding the claims and preparing a geological report on some of these old claims could be something good. The Stags District is located in Pershing County, Nevada, about 65 miles southwest of Winnemucca, on a feature called the Lava Beds, northwest of the Seven Troughs Range. That's a big gold area. The biggest producer in the Stags District was the Twins Butte Mine, which was discovered in the 1830s and operated until 1980. Another gold mine, the Sage Hen, because they found some big hunks of gold like a size of an egg, was located for gold in 1914, but became a tungsten producer from 1949 to 1955. A lot of mines did that during the war because they didn't want to get closed down. Um, they're afraid of that. It also, that area is good for placer mining. The south of the district is in the Blue Mountain area. There's active placer mine there in the 1940s. Um, the oldest mines in the Stag District are the Garrett and the Garrett's mines. 
There's a lot of evidence of mining, but not a lot of history of what was taken out of there. It probably happened before the 1900s, maybe even as early as 1860, 1870. You can tell by the way the tunnels are dug, what a uh, time period it came from. Then a second period in the 1930s, where mechanized equipment was used to dig and open up an incline shaft and a pit. So this is located within the Basin Range. Um, the Basin Range province covers most of Nevada and consists of narrow northeast trending mountain ranges between flat and arid valleys and basins. Very interesting. Uh, the Garrett is on a contact between the Grandorite and the Medio Sediments, Fine Grain, Caliches, uh, uh, and contacts of the Grandorite and Medio Sediments runs east-west for five miles and the Garrett is approximately in the middle of that contact zone. There are also some north-south trending faults to the north of this property. Um, who knows what could be found there? Maybe nothing, maybe something. So pretty interesting stuff. Nevada is constantly ranked as one of the top mining districts in the world for being mining friendly and continue to produce major discoveries. If Nevada was a country, it'd be the fifth largest gold producer in the world after Australia, Canada, China, and Russia. Nevada is home to Carlin Trend and Cortez Trend and the Walker Lane Trend and the Getchell Trend and many other profit, uh, prolific gold mining regions. In addition to gold, Nevada is also major mines producing silver, copper, lithium, iron ore, magnesium, gems, and many other minerals. Nevada is 85% owned by the federal government and most of its land is available for claim striking. This means that some of the best mining ground in the world could be open to prospectors in a very unique situation. So, pretty neat. Um, who knows what could be found there. The, that's on eBay. Um, a guy that I follow his claims uh, was listing there. The 50 minerals that are considered critical to the U.S. Secretary can be found at um, https semicolon backslash backslash elements period visualcapitalist.com. Bruno Venditti tells us about this list, and um, on it is some that I am familiar with and can probably pronounce, and some that I may slaughter. But uh, berlinium is one. This is used for aerospace. Space, aluminum, of course we know what aluminum is used for, power lines, electronics, things like that. Zirconium, high temperature cremic production. Uh, palladium is used a lot in catalytic converters. Um, germanium, which is fiber optics, night vision applications. Lithium, of course we know that's in batteries, magnesium, car seats, luggage, um, laptops. Um, it's used in all sorts of things. It's also an allied nickel, stainless steel. It's used in rechargeable batteries. Tungsten, that is a metal hardener. Uh, barite is for hydrocarbon production. Chromium is for stainless steel. Tin, of course, is an allied for steel or coatings. Cobalt is used in rechargeable batteries and super alloys. Uh, platinum, again, is used for catalytic converters for high temperature use. Atomony is lead-free batteries, flame retardants. Zinc uh, helps produce galvanized steel. Titanium is a white pigment from or metal allies. Bismuth is medical and atomic research. Um, 
Terillium is solar cells, elect, uh, thermoelectric devices, vandium alloyed for iron or steel. Arsenic is used for semiconductors, lumber preservatives, and pesticides, so don't eat lumber. Um, cesium, research and development. Dysporcium, data storage devices and lasers. Erbidum, fiber optics, amplifiers and lasers. European, phosphorus nuclear control rods. Um, Fluorospar, manufacturers of aluminum, cement, steel, and gasoline. Gadolinium, medical imaging and steel making. Gallium, integrated, integrated circuits and LEDs. Graphite, lubricants and batteries. Um, holmium, permanent magnets, nuclear control rods. Indinium, liquid crystal display screens. Lanthanium, catalyst, cremate glass, polishing compounds. Lutetinium uh, for medical imaging and cancer therapies, mag magnanese, steel making and batteries, neodymium, medical industrial lasers, niobium, steel super alloys, um, praseodymium, permanent magnets, batteries, aerospace alloys, rubidium. Research Development in Electronics, Samarium, Cancer Treatment, Absorber and Nuclear Reactors, Scandium, Alloids, Cremix and Fuel Cells, Tantalum, Electronic Components, Super Alloids, Turbulum, Metal Alloids and Lasers, um, Thulium, Metal Alloys and Lasers, Laser. Um, Yitterbium, cremic catalyst, catalyst lasers, metallology and phosphorus, iridium, coatings of anodes for electrochemical processes, rhodium, catalytic converters, electronic components, and then ruthenium, electronic contacts, chip resistors in computers. So these are all minerals that, um, uh, our government is very interested in rare earths, uh, magnets, things like that are used for mission critical electronics and defense uh, mechanisms. Rare earths are also uh, like serenium are used for batteries and electronics. China supplies nearly 80% of U.S. batteries. Tin, uh, this is very important for semiconductors uh, that, that soldiers need. Also, uh, there was a big demand for that during the pandemic. Nickel and zinc were included in the list because of high demand for wind and solar power. Lithium has the lowest density of all metals. And beryllium is for military fighter jets. Pure beryllium saves weight critical to speed and maneuverability. So quite a list there of valuable minerals for our country. The Impossible Discovery, very short article. Go to earth.com. Earth.com, The Impossible Discovery, by Adspear Editors. There's no direct name. They have drilled down into the Earth. There's not a lot of information here. There's hardly any. But it says they have drilled down many, many miles into the Earth. It says things got strange when they first drilled past their first major discovery of the metamorphic change in the granite and began backtracking their confidence and expertise about their mission 
They were now discovering the unknown. After this, the drill reached fractured rock where it broke through to free-flowing water. This was miles beneath the surface of the ground. Based on previous science, their discovery was impossible. So, we've heard this before. Um, They don't think water should be miles and miles down into the earth. The aquifers are typically not down miles and miles in the earth. Um, But here we find this water in the earth. Very interesting. Doesn't surprise me when I think of, you know, um, the geysers and things like that and biblical references to water gushing out of the earth, deep from within the earth. Um, We know that the water is down there. Now, the Davenport Lapidary Club is preparing for a jewelry and gym fair. You can go to theadvocate.com.au. Simon McGuire tells us about this annual jewelry and gym fair at the Davenport Lapidary Club. Um, They're going to have traders from all over Australia, from Queensland down to Victoria, and people from all over Tasmania. So there's going to be 80 tables for traders. Um... They, for some reason, have this, uh, Australia, poor people there, they have uh, still masks and limits there. Sounds like they're still locked down. Sounds like Australia is really enjoying this power uh, stroke. Says, uh, look for various minerals such as topaz sapphires and garnets. The fair takes place between March 26th and 27th. And um, there is a $5 fee for adults and children under 16 are allowed in free. So that sounds good. Hopefully our friends in Australia can enjoy that and have a good time. 10 best hot springs in the U.S. You go to thelonelyplanet.com, look that up. Terry Ward tells us about these awesome spas. Uh, Some of them are quite scenic. Castle Hot Springs set within the stunning canyon of the Bradshaw Mountains, about an hour from Phoenix, Arizona. Wow, looks like a desert heaven there. Another one is the Iron Mountain Hot Springs in Colorado. This is right by the river there. And uh, it's the Denver International Airport area along the Interstate 70 by the Rocky Mountains to the town of Glenwood Springs. Homestead Crater in Utah is another one. Um, Beautiful area, real pretty, in a nice little canyon there. Castle Hot Springs, Arizona, the water bubbles up at 115, but they maintain the pool at about 85 to 106. Um, Kind of cool it down a little bit, temper it down. Um, Beautiful area in the Bradshaw Mountains, about an hour from the Phoenix Castle Hot Springs. Wow, gorgeous. Here's another one. Uh, Chinta Hot Springs in Alaska, it's spelled C-H-E-N-A. They are about 106 degrees there, super warm, beautiful. Another one in a mountain area, quite beautiful. It is the Avalanche Hot Springs in Colorado. Whoops, uh, scrolled down a little too far here. Average temperature there is about 106. Beautiful. Or Orvis Hot Springs, check that out. That's a pretty one. Hot Springs uh, State Park in Wyoming, about 104 degree temperature there. You've got the beautiful Wyoming mountains in the distance there. Looks like you're out in the middle of nowhere. The Benton Hot Springs in California, the water temperature there um, comes out at 140, but they have individual pools there where they uh, temper the water down so that you're not actually cooking yourself like a, a, a steak. There's also the 
Tolavana Hot Springs in Alaska. This water comes up at about 125, but uh, they put it in uh, pools for a little bit of cooling to make it more comfortable. The Bergdorf Hot Springs in Idaho. This one, temperature runs about 96 to 113. It's uh, north of Boise through the mountains of Payette National Forest to reach the hot springs. Very historical area there uh, and uh, looks quite scenic as well. Um, what else have we got here? That seems to be it on that. Now Mars, a meteorite shows evidence of massive massive impact billions of years ago by Nicole Castle there. Um, they said this is going to help them understand how climate and stuff like this might have changed. If you want to read that, it's physics.org. Just type in uh, HTTPS semicolon backslash backslash PHYS.org and you can read all about that. Um, next, Annual Magic Valley Gym and Mineral Show returns this month. If you go to newsradio1310.com, you can read about this um, really awesome gym show here. They've got a lot of nice pictures of the some of the gemstones. Um, really pretty. They're going to be there March the 12th and 13th at the Twin Falls County Fairgrounds in uh, this area of Filer, F-I-L-E-R, Filer. And um, lots of displays and stuff like that in Twin Falls if you want to check that out. Now the Easter Blue um, Mineral Property. It's in the Royston Mining District in Nevada. And our friends at the Gold Rush Expeditions um, are have sold this. But I thought the history was really neat because Royston is where some beautiful turquoise comes from. It says here, the Easter Blue Mineral property is about 20 acres in the Royston Mining District, noted for producing high-value turquoise with deep blue robin's eggs hue, mixed with gold in a pyrite matrix and dark brown iron, some of the most expensive turquoise in the world, valued for its color and matrix. The Easter Blue is one of the original turquoise mines located in the Royston District. Historically, it was held by Lee Hand and later leased to the Otson family. The Easter Blue is noted as one of the most famous and original mines in the district, while the Royal Blue and the Royston Coalition Mines were patented and worked and worked and worked until there was nothing left. The Easter Blue continued to produce gem-quality turquoise that was mined primarily by hand and commanded a great premium. The property has good access and can be reached with low-clearance two-wheel drive vehicle. The closest town is Tonopah, Easter Blue has not been addressed since the early 60s. The Otisons who held the leases are said to have favored the larger pit mine, which turquoise could be shipped in larger quantities and thus larger profits. The smaller high-value but low-quality material from the Easter Blue was sidelined and eventually forgotten. The exposed turquoise bodies were largely covered by uh, machinery so that they could not be looted. The mines are long dozer cuts along the exposed argilitized quartz veins. The turquoise deposits are veinlets in altered shear zones and fine-grained white quartzite. The rock is almost completely argilized near shear zones and silicified near the mineralization fractures. 
High-value turquoise specimens were found in several spots throughout the claim. Most notable was a glory hole on the site that consists of remains of an audit and a pit where some high-grade samples were taken. Pyrite, iron, and gold were found in the quartz, and some of the turquoise was shot with iron and pyrites. There was also old remnants of audits that had been opened and cut along shear zones by machinery. A series of cuts and trenches on the property which exposed various layers of rock that had been mined for the veins containing the famous Easter Blue Turquoise. The property is a, is a hand-working operation while a dozer is recommended for clearing the overburden and sloth to reveal the deposit. It is not possible to work the deposits by anything but hand, hammers, and chisels. The mine will require some mechanized work to expose the quartz and turquoise bodies. This will require a notice of operation, blah, blah, blah. Um, let's see if there's some more history. And that is about it. But some really cool history in that area. Of course, I'm not recommending that you go down to that mine, but maybe some of the washes down below that or the hills, you never know what you might find. Unearthing Dinosaurs in Special Day and Museum at the Rockies. Um, here at News Talk. News Talk. KGVO.com. That's the name of the radio station, NewstalkKGVO.com. Uh, they've got an article here by Steve Fullerton that talks about the dinosaurs and the event and all these things you can see, family friendly and um, the Rockies. So I guess that's probably going to be in Colorado. Um, also talks about Montana. It might be in Montana. Ticket price is $20 for the museum, $10. Um, Lecture series is $20 for youth, $40 for adults, and seniors is, uh, says it's $10 more for non-members. So it sounds kind of expensive, but uh, very interesting. They have wild game meat there, Montana rocks and minerals, um, and all sorts of things to check out there if that interests you. The art of making stone look good enough to eat. I talked about this toasty stones. Uh, Mark... Uh, Thomas Marks tells us at Apollo-Magazine.com all about these displays of lapidary that have uh, rocks and minerals that look like food. Now, I'm not going to read the article to you or go into any detail, but I will tell you about some of the pictures. Um, there's rocks that look like peas. There's rocks that look like chickens, potatoes, cheese, cake, layered cake, bread. There's a snicker bar here. Um, they have all sorts of things, bowls that look like they're filled with drinks. Very neat uh, that you can use the rocks and minerals that look like food sometime. It said, started in 1983, the Texas Rockhounds Bill and Lois Patillo gathered samples of rocks and minerals that resembled food, and that's when it all started, and they just kept going and going and going. All right. Let's talk about the Geode Land Gem and Mineral and Fossil Show, March the 12th and the 13th. Um, this is in Illinois, March the 13th in the Western Illinois University Union Grand Ballroom. This uh, is going to have dealers and displays. Obviously, Geode Land sounds like they're going to have some geodes there. That might be something you want to check out. You can go to wiu.edu and look up the Geodland Gem and Mineral Show. Next, a dinosaur fossil may be the oldest Stegosaurus ever found. Also, this seems to be a new species at Verve Times 
com. You can check out all about that. Uh, Edda Solo Mojo wrote the article. They have a picture of the stegosaurus, which looks like a traditional stegosaurus, but it has two spikes coming out of the sides uh, just above its front legs. They said they've never seen anything like this. They uh, have identified now 14 different species of stegosauruses. They are found on just about every continent. Um, this one was found in an area of China. It is the first one that has been found with these strange spikes sticking out the side. They feel that it's the oldest one ever. Uh, it has these uh, uh, shoulder blades that are thicker and uh, armor plates all over it. And of course, the spikes on the tail, if you remember this um, dinosaur. You can read all about that if you want. Identifying rocks, fossils, and more at the, at the Museum of Geology at kotatv.com. You can read about this. Jeffrey Lindblom tells us all about this museum that opened up in the Black Hills of South Dakota in Rapid City, um, the Museum of Geology, and they, once a year, open it up to help people identify rocks, gems, and minerals. And they find a lot of agates and sedimentary rocks and different minerals and things like that, different types of quartz. Sometimes it's tricky, sometimes it's very easy for them, but if you ever want to get your rocks identified, check uh, with your local museum and see if that's something they do. Thunder eggs. Now, these are not geodes. Thunder eggs are beautiful. They look like a geode. Um, sometimes when you're digging uh, thunder eggs, you will find a geode. Thunder egg is just solid inside, and the geode has a cavity. If you go to mindat, M-I-N-D-A-T.org, and look up Thunder Egg, you will see some beautiful ones um, from the little uh, Florida Mountain Mining District. This is in New Mexico, um, Luna County, New Mexico, to be exact. That's actually a rock-collecting park where you can go collect rocks. Also, other areas, Richardson's Ranch, I believe that's in Oregon, where I think you have to pay. There's some beautiful geodes that can be found there. Um, also, there's Wiley Wells, the Hauser Beds in California. There's the Radium Springs uh, in Don Ana County, New Mexico. So there's many areas you can go all around the country to find these thunder eggs. A thunder egg is a nodule or geode-like geological structure with some adhering silicification or silicified, silicified host rock comprising outer zones of the thunder egg, which is the skin. It can be rhyolite. It can be other minerals. Typically, it is a rhyolite. Um, it can be a siliconized rhyolite, which will then take a good polish. If it's not very well siliconized, it may not take as good of a polish. Often, thunder eggs have both an outer zone that is concentric, but the central material is layered as if they were sedimentary layers. The layers may be contrasting colors, there can be banding, there can be chalcedony, agate, um, all these other minerals can be in there. Beautiful thunder eggs to be found and to be had of all different color varieties. Now, what about opal geodes? Okay, if you've ever heard of the um, Ethiopian opals, they consider those geodes, um, or they have been called geodes by some even though most of them are solid, more like a nodule or a thunder egg. This, uh, at naturesrainbow.com, 
they have found uh, a newer discovery of this halite, which is in a uh, opal that fluorescence uh, uh, green under a long wave UV. And it does this um, because of the way fluorescent specimen emits a low level of radioactivity, which is uh, not dangerous. The size of this geode um, that you can look up at naturesrainbow.com is 7.6 by 7.5 by 7.4 centimeters and weighs uh, 270 grams. Now they're selling them here. Uh, it really looks like, kind of like when you look at chalcedony, um, if you've ever seen some chalcedony kind of globulating inside of a rhyolite skin, this is what it is doing. But uh, they claim that this is a form of an opal or an opal geode. I would say uh, it's not a geode, but maybe one day we'll talk about opal because the bones have opalized, uh, wood has opalized, all sorts of things have been opalized, and it is very beautiful. Some of the most fabulous, exotic, and expensive discoveries are from Nevada of some beautiful opalized limbs and things of that sort. So guys, I want to thank you for tuning in. Um, this concludes today's episode. Please stay tuned. Please share and like and all that good stuff. Until next time, remember rock hounds don't die, they petrify.